Hi, I'm Darren Peppard. Welcome to the Leaning into Leadership podcast, the podcast dedicated to today's hardworking leader. Join me every Sunday for leadership insight, inspiration, and a little pep talk to keep you rolling down your road to awesome. Hey everybody, welcome into episode 125 of the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. My guest on the show today is Claire Chandler, and we're going to talk about Claire here in just a minute. But really quick, folks, uh, two things that I want to talk about. First and foremost, um, just recently had several new five-star reviews on the podcast uh, in different platforms and just want to give everybody a shout out who has given us those five-star reviews has left some words of encouragement uh, left some words of feedback for us here at the leaning into leadership podcast it's just so valuable and when you add to the number of reviews that are there it actually increases the likelihood that more people are going to have an opportunity to listen to the show so if you haven't yet given us a review please do so please consider spending a minute or two going down there and uh, giving us that five-star review and giving us a little bit of feedback it means so very much the second thing that i want to just really quick touch base on is here we are it's the end of february And if you're in an instructional leadership role, a building campus level leadership role, you're already starting to think about next school year, right? This is that time of year when things kind of blend together, right? The plane is still in the air. We still, we're not even to the point where we can see the runway yet, right? We still have a ways left in this school year, but we're already starting to think about next year. Well, let me, let me stress one thing for next year. As you're preparing to maybe bring on new leadership team members, or maybe you're preparing for kicking off that school year in August or September, whenever your time might be, let's have a conversation about getting you on the road to awesome. Now, that might mean me coming and working with your leadership team. Let's put together a couple of days. Let's put together a retreat and really get your entire leadership team aligned and focused and ready to go as they kick off the school year. And then let's also talk about me coming and maybe speaking at your opening meeting, you know, be in that keynote for your convocation or your district kickoff to really get people fired up, focused, and dialed in on building that incredible culture and climate, that classroom culture, that building level culture, and that district level culture. Those things are so critical, folks. So let's have that conversation. Reach out. Um, My contact information, of course, is down in the show notes, but it's definitely time, leaders, to be thinking about that. And it's also time to be thinking about episode 125 of the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. So let me transition to that and tell you a little bit about our guest. Our guest on the show today is Claire Chandler, and Claire is the president and founder of a company called Talent Boost. Now, Claire believes deeply that leaders shape culture and that strong cultures lead to greater success. Claire leverages 30 years of experience in people leadership. I love that phrase, by the way human resources, and in business ownership. Claire's work is all about helping organizations expand their business without losing their very best talent. She uses a methodology called Growth on Purpose to help businesses achieve this. Now, I will tell you, Claire has a certificate in Strategic Human Resources Leadership from Cornell School of Industrial and Labor Relations. She has a master's degree from the New Jersey Institute of Technology and a bachelor's degree from Fairfield University. 
Claire has been on a whole bunch of different podcasts, including the Leaning Into Leadership podcast, but she's also the author of a handful of different books, including Turning New Leaders into Performance Accelerators, The Decision Dashboard, The Whirlpool Effect, and her brand new book, ready for release very soon, titled Growth on Purpose. Now, Claire is going to talk a lot with me during this episode about that impact that culture has and about how we as leaders have a real responsibility to be mindful and thoughtful about what we do and the things that we say. A quick little peek behind the scenes. I'll I'll give you this little teaser for something coming a little ways into the episode. Claire was actually told at one point in her career to tone down her walk. Yeah, that's right. I'll say it again. Tone down your walk. What does that even mean? And how does a person do that? Folks, this is such a great conversation. I can't wait for you to listen to it. And you're going to get it right after this. Hello, middle-level educators. Are you looking for a nationwide type of conference at the fraction of the cost? The North Carolina Association for Middle-Level Education welcomes you to Charlotte, North Carolina, March 24th through the 26th for the 2024 NCMLE Inspire Conference. My name is David James, NCMLE Marketing and Conference Director, and I want to personally invite you to our annual conference. You will not want to miss our keynote and featured speakers that lead over 120 middle-specific teaching and learning sessions. Our featured speaker lineup includes EDU experts from across the country, such as principal and leadership expert Baruti Kefele, Charles Williams, LaQuanta Nelson, Zach Bowermaster, and the host of the Leaning Into Leadership podcast, Dr. Darren Peppard. The NCMLE Inspire Conference is for everyone. Go to ncmle.org to register your team for the 2024 NCMLE Inspire Conference today. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. When I first became a school principal... I was working in the same building that I had been an assistant principal. As regular listeners to the program here know, that 40-foot move from one office down the hall to the principal's office might as well have been 400 miles, but for a number of different reasons. And here on the show, I've talked about quite a few of them, but today I think we're going to touch on one that maybe I haven't hit yet. For those who, who know me and know me well, you probably already know that the principal that I followed at the high school where I became a principal had been the principal for 17 years. His predecessor was there for 18 years. So being only the third principal in 35 years had some really unique challenges. But in some ways, I added to those challenges, primarily because I wanted to prove that I wasn't my predecessor. And I undid some things that I probably shouldn't have undone and probably just made some decisions that were more geared towards proving that I was not Randy instead of just focusing on what was best for everybody in the organization. Today on the show, I'm joined by Claire Chandler, and we are going to talk about my mindset there 
We're going to talk about how culture impacts organizations. Many of you know just how important culture is to me. Um, and Claire's going to share an incredible story, one that I think just ties in perfectly with the intro to this episode, where she was once told to tone down her walk. Cannot wait to talk about all of that stuff. But before we do that, Claire, welcome into Leaning Into Leadership. Thanks, Darren. It's so great to be here. Yeah, looking forward to this conversation. Before we dive into that, let's let's back up a couple of decades, if you will. And <laughs> let's yeah, let's go back to the beginning here. Let's let's share with some folks uh, a little bit about Claire, a little bit about your journey in leadership, and maybe a little bit about what you're doing right now. Sure. So, if we're going to go if we're going to go in our wayback machine, um, so I'm a I'm a self-professed corporate survivor. Um, in addition to being a cancer survivor, but I kind of always lead with the corporate survivor. I think it's something highly relatable um, to, to both of us and to your audience. Um, but I spent the first 20 or so years of my career within the walls of corporate as a full-time employee. Um, after, by the way, swearing I was never going to go into a corporate career. It was just not um, my parents. Uh, you and I had talked about this uh, before we started recording. Um, I am the, the product of a lifelong school teacher and a small business owner. Um, and so the corporate track was not one that I was feeling pulled toward, but alas, after college, that's where the opportunities were. And I honestly wouldn't trade the experience that I got there. Um, I think as, as anyone in, who has worked within the walls of corporate for, for more than six months can tell you, um, sure, there are a lot of horror stories perhaps, but there is also a great opportunity if you're open to it, um, to, to learning structure, to learning best practices, uh, and also to being in the presence of leaders that you admire and leaders that you would never under any circumstances want to follow. Um, so for all those reasons, I, I found my, my 20 or so years in corporate invaluable. Uh, and then in 2011, I struck out on my own. I started my uh, entrepreneurial journey and took about two years until I really kind of figured out what I wanted to build a business and a brand around. And so in 2013, I founded my company Talent Boost. And so fast forward to today, I specialize in, ironically, helping corporations from the outside um, lead in more authentic ways, grow in more sustainable ways and stop making their employees so miserable. Um, so if that if that all kind of gets boiled into uh, into a mission statement, there there it is. That's kind of the essence. But yeah, from from uh, from starting out within corporate, I now advise uh, corporations, especially executive leaders, how to grow their business and how to expand without losing their best talent. Stop making your employees miserable. Holy cow! I love that so much. I think we maybe just found the title of this episode. <laughs> um, I think that's that's going to be fantastic. Uh, there, there's so many things in there that I want to unpack, and one of the pieces that I want to want to go at that you just talked about was something that honestly my predecessor as a building principal taught me and taught me well. And and you'd think if I had listened to him, I wouldn't have gone about just trying to prove I wasn't him. But one of the things that he told me early in my career was you will learn as much about leadership by watching people make mistakes as you will by watching them do things right. And you talked about the 
the leaders who you wanted to emulate and the leaders who you would never want to be anything like. And you had shared a story with me when we talked the previous time. Um, and we'll, we'll see, you know, just how far you want to go with this story. But I know you had a really interesting and galvanizing lesson in leadership in one of those situations. So let's, let's maybe go right there to start this thing off. Yeah, I'd love to, because I think uh, when I, you know, I remember sharing it with you as we were preparing for this conversation and it really just sort of jumped out at you as, as the, the center point for this, for this, uh, for this conversation. So it was probably uh, a year, maybe 18 months before I left uh, my full-time corporate job and jumped into the entrepreneurial unknown. And at the time I was uh, a vice president of human resources for a large uh, environmental organization, traveling a lot. Uh, I had invested in one of those sort of travel briefcases because I was literally on the road three weeks out of every four. And it was a week that I happened to be back in my corporate headquarters office. And I was walking down the hall toward my toward my office uh, I, from the from the ladies room. I think I had like that two minute window between meet you know, back to back meetings. And I took my took yeah. my chance to run to the ladies room. Anyway, so I'm, I'm walking back to my office. And my boss stops me in the hall and he says, you need to tone down your walk. And I just kind of looked at him a little bit dumbfounded and I said, uh, what? And he said, your, your, your walk, it's too bouncy. It's too happy. And people are going to start to think, you know, that you're up to something that you knew that, you know, something they don't. And I thanked him as I always did for, for the, those latest pearls of wisdom, I went back to my office and spoiler alert, I did nothing to modify my walk. And it's, it's so interesting because in the moment, I didn't recognize that exchange with that leader for what it was, but it stayed with me because in hindsight, it became so emblematic of culture done wrong, of leaders done wrong, um, and it's so it's, so it's an example that I draw upon more and more often, it seems, when I talk about leadership and I talk about what good culture looks like, because if, if anything is a direct opposite of that, it was that exchange with my boss. You know, I, uh, first of all, I can never imagine saying something like that, that to an individual, but certainly there's man, there are layers and layers of, of context to a statement like tone down your walk. Um, let's, let's unpack that just a little bit further. Um, wh what did you have for follow-up conversation? What, what did you have for like, did, did you get some more feedback on, on your, your walk is too bouncy? Um, people will think you know something they don't. Um, what, what did you as, as a leader, as you know, as, as an individual, um, what, what did you reflect on? And, you know, you said you didn't like change your walk, but, you know, no. clearly that, that, that became kind of a, a moment for you to, you know, to, to ultimately push forward into what you currently do. Yeah, it, it certainly did in hindsight. And this was not a conversation that my boss came back to time. And again, it was, it was one of those one-off um, you know, sharing of insights that, that he thought he was being super generous by, by imparting on me that, that wisdom. Um, but it was consistent with, you know, I, I, as I said, I was, I was a vice president at the time. Um, so, and I had spent close to 15 years 
in that company. Um, and I had risen through the ranks, not toning down my walk. I mean, certainly being professional, doing my job to the highest degree of excellence that I could, building teams and building collaborative uh, working situations and, and all of that. I was, I was both an individual contributor and a manager, right? A people manager. I was also an executive coach and I was a, you know, a, a leader in the organization because of my position and it was in human resources. So also because of my field, but it was consistent with other conversations where, you know, I, uh, previous to that role, I was vice president of, of talent development. And so I, I had this amazing opportunity to help build out the talent infrastructure for that organization in ways that the company had not done prior. And that was a role I was so super passionate about. And it really aligned with my, my genius zone, what lights me up, gave me opportunities to, um, kind of use my position and, and my influence as a platform for helping other people develop their careers in line with where they wanted to go. And so things were, things were clicking. I was enjoying my work. I was, I was building a career. I was doing all of those things. And so when I would get feedback from this, from this boss, like tone down your walk or another time we were going into the boardroom and I was leading a discussion with the, uh, the executive leadership team. And this same boss, you know, reminded me, he said, you know, we're going into a serious conversation. So try to, he didn't say tone down, but he said, you know, be, be a little bit less um, quirky in your personality. And so those are the types of things that when you, when you weave them together, said much more about him than it did me, first of all. But I do think why I say that this was, these types of exchanges were emblematic it's because this company, like so many others, put this bullet on its job requirements on every posting for external talent. And that bullet always said, we are looking for people with entrepreneurial spirit. And so many companies advertise for people with entrepreneurial spirit. The modern lingo for that is we want you to bring your best, most authentic selves to work. Sound familiar, right? It's in, it's in every yeah. job posting, it's on every careers page. And so you attract this talent with this brand promise that here you're going to be able to spread your wings, walk the way you want and build a career that is in direct alignment with what you're passionate about and what you uniquely bring to the table. And what more often happens is people like this boss actually demand conformity. They say, sure, we want you to be unique. Sure, we want you to bring in your personality. Sure, we want you to enjoy what you're doing because it's through that enjoyment you're going to be more productive. And then as soon as you express that unique personality, they go, whoa, but not like that. And so when I left in 2011, it wasn't because I had been failing. It's because after a while, I started to see those signs and I started to understand that if I really wanted to own my walk and do things in ways that lit me up without people trying to change the way that I did them, I had to strike out on my own. I think it's such a powerful story and it speaks to so many important pieces. You know, you said very early in this conversation that leaders need to stop making their employees miserable, right? And 
we talk about the importance of culture. And one of the things I think, Claire, so so interesting about you is somebody who, with a deep HR background, still has this heavy belief and sees the importance in culture and its impact on the organization's success. When when leaders do things like what, unfortunately, you had to deal with. Although maybe it's not unfortunate because this this tone down your walk has become this huge piece for you and has allowed you to to do what you do. But I think so often as leaders, we we might lose sight of that bullet, right? Like, you know, all those things that are in the job description and that kind of stuff, people get caught up in the we need people to, you know, to be compliant with with what our expectations are when the reality is what we want our employees to do is to be committed and that that can't happen without without development of an incredible culture that allows them to I'll use your words own their walk how how do leaders go about that what what are some steps that when you're working with leadership teams I mean you said it yourself hey you know, you help leadership teams create that environment. So what are some steps that leaders that are listening right now who are thinking, yeah, you know what? I got to kickstart my culture a little bit. I got to make sure that I'm not saying to people, hey, uh, let, let, let's kind of calm down the quirkiness in your, you know, in your, you know, in your behaviors. What steps do they take? Yeah, I love that. Um, you know, and, and first of all, I think it's important for for people to lean into this conversation because the thought of what you just asked me to lay out can can set fear in the hearts of a lot of leaders because it sounds a lot like unleashing chaos, right? And that's not what we're advocating, yeah. and it's certainly not what I'm what I'm proposing. And I know that's not what you're supportive of. You know, which is just to yeah. unleash people, rip up job descriptions, and let people do what they want the way that they want them. That's not what people are looking for. People are looking for a, a mission they can believe in, in a company that actually respects and embraces and empowers them to deliver those outcomes along the, the path toward that shared mission in ways that align with their best work, right? They're, yes, their most authentic selves, but what does that really mean? Um, you know, specific to your question, what can leaders do to, to kind of kick up their culture a, a notch? Um, it is absolutely to be much more mindful about the messages that they are sending out. You know, I had a, a very difficult conversation with that same boss once um, where I'd given him some feedback because he had walked into a staff meeting and that the message that he delivered landed wrong and the team was visibly disengaged as a result of that exchange. And I thought I had a good enough working relationship with him that I could deliver that feedback to him in a, in a compassionate way. And it turned out he wasn't really open to, to that feedback. And, you know, to, to the point where he actually said to me, I'm not responsible for how this team receives my message. And actually the opposite is true. Leaders are very much accountable for how their message lands, the clarity with which they deliver expectations, and the paths through which people actually get the work done. So leaders have to start, first of all, by being deeply self-aware of what they are bringing to the table and how they're showing up. They have to be open to 
changing perhaps the way they deliver a message, changing the way that they are dampening down their own personality. Because I think, you know, we can we could go on to a, a completely separate uh, episode and we can fill hours around the pressure that leaders, especially at the executive level, are under to conform to this idea of what an executive leader looks like, acts like, talks like. And the more that you suppress your own personality at the leadership level, the less followable you are. Because your people actually do know what you are trying so hard to hide, which is you're human, you're beautifully flawed, you don't have all the answers and you're not perfect. And the more that you own that, the more that you can demonstrate some vulnerability, the more you can acknowledge that the reason that you have a team in the first place is because you're not supposed to do everything yourself and you're not supposed to have all the answers. And the best way to move forward and to innovate and to be competitive and to grow in a sustainable way is to surround yourself with people who balance you out, not just yes you to death. So there's a lot in that, right? Leaders have to be self-aware. Leaders have to be vulnerable. Leaders have to be authentic to what their true personality is and respect and recognize that the people around them, if they've done their job, are not going to walk and look and talk and believe and, and act the exact same way they are. And does that mean sometimes you stumble? Of course. If you went out and hired just clones of yourself, you're still going to stumble. But to your earlier point, we learn way more through our mistakes than we do when everything goes according to plan. There's, there's just, oh man, there's so much gold right there. Um, to, to boil that down, leaders, the first step is be authentic. You got to be yourself. Don't try to be somebody that you're not. Um, don't spend a bunch of time trying to prove that you're the other, not the other person, right? Um, one of my mistakes. But really just be genuinely you. Be human. Be, you know, be imperfect because that's, that's okay. Now, you said something in there, Claire, about the, like the expectation, like the, you know, the cookie cutter. This is what the person in the C-suite, this is what the, you know, the, the principal, the superintendent, the whatever, fill in the blank. The CEO is supposed to look like, act like. And as you were, as you were talking about that, and I, I don't know if you're a football fan or not, but Big it made me fan. think about, yeah, good, good. Then you'll get this, you'll hopefully get this analogy. I am not a fan of the Miami Dolphins, not at all. But their head coach, Mike McDaniel, truly is a guy who marches to the beat of his own drum. Um, and everything from how he conducts himself with his players to how he dresses to interacting with the fans during a game. I mean, the, the dude does things his own way. But what I find interesting about him and the reason that, this, I mean, this leaped into my mind as you were talking, he is so authentic with who he is. He is not trying to be the cookie cutter NFL head coach. He is not trying to be any of those people. He is who he is. And I got to be honest with you, it seems to be working quite well. And his players really buy into what he's doing. So I don't know where you want to go with that, but that was just something that really made me think, you know, here's an example of somebody genuinely being authentic. 
so I, I love that example. I'm a huge football fan and, and I am not traditionally a, a Dolphins fan either, but there's something about this guy. Um, yes, he has had demonstrated success this year. He has put together a team and a playbook and a, and a game plan that is, that is really paying dividends for him and for that team. But you're a hundred percent right. If, if you were given a room of 500 people and he was in there and you said, go pick out who you think an NFL coach is in this room and you didn't know him, he's probably the last guy you would pick. He is not your stereotypical head coach of an NFL team. He just, he doesn't look the part. And here's what's beautiful about that. He's not trying to. I, I want to tie that back to something you said earlier about, you know, and we kind of talked, you know, in the vein of we learn more from our mistakes than our successes. And you had said when you um, succeeded a, a 17 year tenured principal who had succeeded an 18 year tenured principal and the mistake you made was to, to basically throw out a lot of what your predecessor had done in an, in an uh, attempt to put your own signature on things. And I think so many leaders fall into this trap, right? They, they, too often they make one of two mistakes when they ascend into a bigger leadership role, whether that's becoming a principal, a head coach, a CEO, et cetera. They, I, they, they, they can go in one of two ways and they can both lead to disaster. One is to say, I want to strike out on my own. I want to make my mark sooner than later. So by doing that, I'm going to undo everything my predecessor did and put my own mark on things. And as you learned the hard way, that was probably not the best choice. The other mistake though, that a lot of leaders make is they say, who around me, specifically within this organization, is somebody that I think of as a charismatic, inspiring leader. And they study that person and then they emulate them. And I don't want your audience to misunderstand, emulating another leader is fine in moderation, and if you do it in ways that are authentic to you. And so I'll share a quick story. I, I was working with a client recently where the, the COO um, was, was not very secure in his own authentic style, was not sure people were going to follow him. And so he made the mistake of emulating the CEO who was highly charismatic, was one of these people who just owned a stage, could walk into a room, could riff on any subject and look and seem so at ease. And of course, it's a style that we would all, we would all like to be more comfortable on a stage. I speak on stages all the time and I would love to be more comfortable. I would love to be thought of as charismatic or inspiring. But the, the secret to that is not to just copy somebody else. And for this particular COO, it ended disastrously. You can admire certain qualities. You can try to emulate certain qualities, but that if they are far afield from what is your natural style, if a Mike McDaniel decided, you know what? I, I have this vision in mind for how I want to run the sideline during a game, but that's not how Bill Belichick would do it. And Bill Belichick has this amazing track record of success. And so I'm going to throw out what I think is right in alignment with, with how I deeply feel. And I'm just going to copy his playbook. It's not going to work. And he had enough self-awareness to understand that and to say, when I stand on the sidelines, I might look more like the IT support 
for the AV equipment than a head coach. My husband and I joke about it all the time. It's like he, yeah. he looks like he's there yeah. to update the servers. And I mean no disrespect to IT folks. <laughs> I have huge respect for IT folks. But that's what he looks like on the sideline. Yeah. And yet scoff all you want. That dude is owning his walk and he's owning the NFL right now. Yeah. Oh, he really is. I love that. I absolutely love that. And I don't think you could have found uh, the greater antithesis to Mike <laughs> McDaniel than to go with Bill Belichick, right? I mean, I, I had to. I, had I just, to. wow, I can't even imagine him trying to be like that guy. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, again, you know, it's, it, that's a common mistake, I think. You know, people, people look at others and they say, oh, that's what I want to be like. And then and they do try to emulate that. You know, one of the things in, in, you know, now in my space as an entrepreneur, there are lots of other people who have come before me that do the work that I do. And I could certainly look at them and say, oh, I want to be like this guy or I want to be like that guy. But um, one, one of my favorite podcasts, one of my favorite people out there, uh, John Acuff, his podcast is All It Takes a Goal. One of John's phrases I think is so important here and leaders, I think it's huge for you if, especially if you're early in your leadership career and you're looking at that person in your district or in the neighboring community or that you look up to through social media, it's very, very important. Listen to this. Don't judge your beginning by somebody else's middle. When you compare where you are now to where somebody else is, you fall into that comparison trap. And Man, it can just get ugly. And just imagine a guy like Mike McDaniel as a rookie head coach a year ago looking at Bill Belichick. I mean, arguably, arguably the, the greatest head coach in the history of our game. Um, he would have fallen flat if, if he spent all of his time in that comparison trap, but he doesn't do that. Um, so uh, this this is a long running stem from a question of what are some things leaders can do to build the right culture. But I think that that's huge right there. Don't don't get stuck comparing yourself to this person or that person and don't spend a bunch of time trying to be that person. You got to just be yourself. I just man, I think that is just so good and so important. Um I'll, I'll just drop it right there and let you run a little bit more with that. Um, and then I'm going to take us in another direction, but go ahead. Yeah. I, you know, I, I just think for the NFL, for leadership in general, that's the recipe for success is to, is to own your walk, is to truly understand and be deeply self-aware about um, what, what uniquely drives you, what your unique style is, what lights you up, what you're good at and what you're not, and surround yourself with people who balance that out, right? Um, every NFL commentator and analyst will tell you that the best NFL teams are made up of people, not only who can collaborate effectively on the field and in the locker room, but also know their position. And you don't just put somebody into a position to try them out and hope that they're going to rise to the occasion. Sometimes injury requires it. But in general, if you want to get to the Super Bowl, and you want to win and you want to build a dynasty like Bill Belichick has done. And as a lifelong Giants fan, it causes me physical pain to be talking about <laughs> Belichick in such glowing terms. I just want you to know that. Um, but it is hard to argue with the guy's success. But, you know, he similarly owns his own walk. You see any Bill Belichick press conference and it's comedic because of the way that he takes questions. Now, I'm told he's really a very affable, likable guy. 
when he's not in an NFL persona, when it's not game time and it's not post game. Um, that's what I've heard. Haven't seen it, but fine. That's that's all. That's all good. You know, he he owns who he is. He doesn't he doesn't put on a suit for the post game analysis in the press conference and you know start to wax poetic in response to the reporters often inane questions. He will he will give you just one word answers because that's him. Because he you know he knows his best job, his best work is done with the team on the field in the locker room and you know reviewing tape in between games. So, you know, I, I, I think it is something and I love that you went to, to football because I am such a such a fan of the sport, but I also think that football is a great metaphor for for leadership, for assembling teams that have the right combination of talent um, that is not just a collection of individual superstars, but truly is a cohesive, integrated ecosystem of talent and the best NFL teams get that and model that and the best leaders build cultures based on that approach. Wow. That's just spectacular. Love that so much. Now, remember as a Giants fan, you have beaten Belichick twice in the Super Bowl, So there is always that. And when, as a lifelong Broncos so yes. fan, well, that's true. Yeah. As a lifelong Bronco fan, I always enjoyed when they did beat them, but you know, that was sometimes few and far between, but certainly to go to a couple of Super Bowls that worked out too. So, so let's do this before I get to my, my last question on the show, I, I would feel remiss if I didn't ask you or give you an opportunity to tell us a little bit more about Talent Boost. Um, I, I'm super curious about this. I mean, obviously as somebody who coaches leaders himself, Anytime I get a chance to learn more from somebody else, I, I just I have to take the opportunity. So tell me a little bit more about Talent Boost and how you do what you do. Uh, uh, so how long is your show, right? So uh, Talent Boost, as I said, I, I founded in 2013. Um, it is it is based on the the sort of the mantra that became the tagline for the company. Talent is isn't born; it's boosted. Um, I deeply believe that everybody has it within them, individuals and organizations, to be amazing. I think anyone who is in a leadership role has it within them to be amazing. And some of the best paths toward being amazing, toward being followable, toward being successful and to enjoying sustainable growth, it, we've already mapped out the recipe throughout this conversation, right? It's being self-aware, it's being authentic to who you are, it's owning your walk. It is not demanding conformity, but actually inviting people to step into their roles, the roles that you need them to play in ways that align with their, their own passions, their own talents, their own strengths. As long as you have set a career, a, a clear mission and expectations of outcomes, get out of your people's way and let them get to those outcomes in ways that make them feel more alive, more motivated, more lit up. That's where the breakthroughs happen. That's where the innovation happens. That's where the competitive edge becomes unsurpassable. And so Talent Boost was born out of that mantra. Um, I continue, you know, 10 years on to advise companies um, at the executive leadership level, in particular, the, the HR executive level. Again, kind of kind of ironic, um, but, but really, um, I, I think that First of all, the biggest impact on the culture of any company is the behavior of its leaders. And leaders who don't understand this, 
leaders who think that culture just bubbles up from the from the bottom organically from the from you know the the individual contributors um and worse yet leaders who believe that culture is a nice to have and not a, a mission critical imperative are missing out they have the best opportunity to shape culture in ways that will sustain perpetual growth and because they they have that opportunity it is within their control and we know executive leaders deep, you know deep down they're control freaks i recognize it i'm an entrepreneur and therefore i'm a control freak as well well this yeah. is something you can control you can control how you show up you can control the you know how you build a team how you shape a culture how you set a message how you inspire and incite people to follow you toward a shared mission that people can really buy into and believe and so talent boost is really all formed around helping the right leaders in the right organizations grow the right way by supporting and nurturing and enabling the right talent. Man, that's huge. I just love that so much. And, you know, you went right at something that to me, I mean, it's something I say all the time when I'm coaching leaders. I say it when I'm on stage. We have control over so little, little stuff. Right. But but we 100 percent can control how we choose to show up each and every day and how we show up truly impacts the culture of our organization. And as leaders, I love that you talked about this as leaders, your culture will change always. It's whether or not it changes in the direction you want it to. And if you're not intentional about your culture, it will change and not the way you want it to be. So really, really powerful stuff. I really appreciate that so much. Uh, let's get to the last question I ask everybody here on the show, Claire. Uh, this is this is the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. So how are you leaning into leadership right now? You know, for, for me, I really legitimately try to lead by example. Um, I, I'm, I'm not a leader in the traditional sense anymore. I don't have a, a, a team that I manage I have clients that I have the honor and the privilege to work alongside to help them lead in more effective ways. Um, and so now I really lead primarily through influence, primarily through helping unlock within organizations and within individual leaders what was already there. Because again, talent isn't born, it's boosted. So part of my job is to help them find that, unlock it, get out of their own way. And so for me, leaning into leadership is to remember that everybody has it within them to lead has it within them to be amazing. And I have to not only own my walk, but walk that walk. And I have to lead by example and I have to model the behavior that I am asking my clients to demonstrate as well. Fantastic stuff right there. Own your walk. Don't tone it down. Own your walk, folks. Claire, people are gonna to wanna to get in touch with you. How can they reach out and get connected to you and to Talent Boost? Yeah, so best way on social media, I am on LinkedIn. Uh, so come find me there. I would love to connect with you and learn more about what your individual journey looks like. And then my two websites are talentboost.net and clairechandler.net. There you go, folks. We'll make sure all that stuff is linked in the show notes so you can check it out. Make sure you get in touch with Claire. Claire Chandler, thank you so much for joining me here on Leaning Into Leadership. Thanks. I've had a great time. All right, what an awesome conversation with Claire Chandler. Uh, again, just so much fun, so many great pieces of insight, and I would bet you did not expect that Claire and I would take off on the tangent that we did about Mike McDaniel and about his unique leadership style, which in spite of the way that their season ended, certainly, I think, is effective 
leadership. Uh, Claire does also have a free ebook available to you uh, for listening to the Leaning Into Leadership podcast that is down in the show notes. Make sure you go down there and hit that link um, and go to her website because that will give you an opportunity to sign up for getting a notification for when that brand new book gets ready to release. You'll want to make sure you get a copy of that. I know I certainly do as well. And now it's time for a pep talk. Today's pep talk, I want to really dive in to how we best support our staff. You know, this time of year, we have staff who are still trying to grow. Maybe they're still trying to innovate. And as leaders, that's a part of our responsibility. Somebody asked me the other day, you know, Darren, can you give me just one or two tips on what we should do to help our staff grow? And I'm going to be honest with you, I'll give you five. I will give you five that I think are absolutely critical to helping your staff grow. Number one is give them your ear. You know, sometimes they just simply need to be heard or be asked a question like, what is it that you'd like to do? What do you want to try to accomplish with whatever you're trying to innovate with? Give them your ear, listen to them, and ask them good questions, right? Number two, give them some space, right? Like, it, this takes me back to when I was in the seventh grade and I broke my right hand. Um, I had what's called a boxer's break, so the fifth metacarpal, so bone uh, on the right side of my hand. Folks, I was in a cast for like six weeks. I had to write left-handed. I, I remember my teachers not just like getting really angry or frustrated. They gave me some time. They gave me some space to practice and to get a little bit better, right? You get frustrated sometimes when people are trying to do something new. You got to give them that space to allow them to take a little bit of risk. And number three is give them some time, right? You know, it takes between 1,000 and 3,000 reps to get good at a new skill. It doesn't happen like overnight, okay? Whether that's hitting a golf ball or shooting a free throw writing your name left-handed when you're right-handed, whatever it might be, it takes a lot of practice and it takes a lot of reps. So we need to make sure that we're giving people the time that they need in order to become proficient at any new skill or strategy that we are asking them or that they're wanting to take on, right? Number four is give them some coaching, right? Don't always be in a valuative mode. If you can come into classrooms and watch and just simply be curious when you're in the classroom. You know, look for opportunities to ask good questions or to maybe give that little bit of supportive coaching. You know, that third point perspective, it's just absolutely huge. And coaching is such a critical part of the improvement process. So give them some coaching. That's number four. And number five, give them some praise right? When we give people praise, when we allow them to know that we appreciate their efforts and that the work they're doing is not going unnoticed, it's huge. They will strive to be awesome if you give them the opportunity. So again, folks, how do you help them grow? You give them five. Give them your ear, give them some space, give them some time, give them some coaching, and give them some praise. That's what I got for you this week, folks. Thank you so much for listening to the Leaning Into Leadership podcast, episode number 125. Get out there and have a road to awesome week. Thank you for listening to the Leaning Into Leadership podcast, brought to you by Road to Awesome. Don't forget, click subscribe, give a review, 
and share this with somebody who might also enjoy leaning into leadership.